0: You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church slash messages. Hey, good morning, church. Good to see everyone today. You all look great. You look good. Everybody had their coffee. You're in good moods, and uh, life is good, and God is good. Um, I'm super excited about, you know, you just saw that video. I'm super excited about Feed 5,000. Um if you've never participated in this, jump in. I always tell people in our New Friends Lunch, you will get out of Thorn Creek whatever you put into it. And uh, this is such an exciting, exciting time feeding the hungry. And we feed, you know, probably close to 7,000 people over this time frame. Uh, but uh, it's just a blast. So be a part of it. It's going to be super, super fun. So uh, let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for your grace and your love. And we humble ourselves before you. Uh, God, uh you know my deep prayer is that uh you uh, use me according to your will and you just uh push Reuben aside and and may your holy spirit work in me and through me uh for for your will for your good pleasure that's that's my prayer lord make this message just burn inside of me god take a hold of me just use me like you did last night god even in a greater way god and um, have your way here none of this none of this matters unless you show up lord so we ask your Holy Spirit to be here, your Holy Spirit to work in, in, in this place and, and be with our children, our students, um, be with Pastor Nick and, and the kids that are in Nampa, Idaho right now who are, are exploring the calling of God in their life. Would you bless them right now as well? And uh, if you'd like to hear a word from God, if you desire to hear a word from God, would you just say, God, I need you to speak to me this morning. You know what's going on in my life, and I just need to hear a word from you. So open up my ears, my spiritual ears, and my eyes and, and my heart, and give give me understanding, and give me eyes to see and and um and and change me, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm super excited about our our students who are we have a handful of students who are in Nampa, Idaho right now at Northwest Nazarene University, and it's a conference specifically for students. Who feel a calling of God on their life, and uh, it's really, really cool. So we have, uh, I believe, it's four students with Pastor Nick. Um, one of them feels a calling to youth ministry, and the other two are, are worship ministry, and the other one is a missionary. So it's really cool. God is raising up, you know, leaders, spiritual leaders for the kingdom in this church, and uh, you guys are a part of it. So I hope, uh, you know, I hope you recognize that. So. I'm excited about this uh, this uh, whole series. It's called "It's Not All About Me," and the purpose behind this series is we're preparing our hearts. For the month of of Thanksgiving and for loving on people, for, for loving on people and and serving them and feeding the hungry and, and that's our that's our hope and prayer. This picture right here is especially special to me because my wife is in it and uh, you can see her head bowed down right there. Doesn't she just have her back of her head is so beautiful? Wouldn't you agree with that? Such a beautiful head. So anyway, <laughs> so there there's a Timmy and another and they're they're downtown and they're hugging each other with they're hugging with strangers. And, and they're praying for someone as we are delivering uh, Thanksgiving meals to people. And they're saying, well, let's just pray right here. And just a, they had the just church right there out on the streets in front of the Colorado, Colorado Coalition of the Homeless. So I, I, lo- I love that shot right there. Um, today's title is Putting First Things First. Putting First Things First. Um, one of the things that I hear, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this as well, and maybe you've said this, is, is this phrase, I'm busy. I'm busy. And we kind of wear it like a a badge of honor a little bit. Um, I want to ask you about how do you spend your time? The Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks down how many hours per week the average American works and releases that information as part of a monthly employment situation summary. And according to the most recent data, this is May 2019, Americans worked an average of 34.4 hours per week. Do you think that's high or low? You guys are going to help me out, okay? This is not a show up here. You're a part of this. Is that high or low, 34.4? See, I thought so too. 1948, Nineteen forty-eight. when the government first started keeping track of this stuff, it was 42.8 hours. Now, however, competitive industries like tech and finance and professional work, it's in excess of 60 hours per week, 60 hours per week week. And, and I, I get that. I was in the business world in sales and marketing, so I could understand that kind of thing. Um, check this out. In 2011, the average American adult spent 46 minutes on their phone per day. 46 minutes on their phone per day. Today, the average American spends, guess how many hours? Shout it out. 27 hours per day on the phone is the average American now. It's just over three. That's what it is. <laughs> it's just over three. Some of you spend more than three, and I know I, I've been guilty of that myself. I've been guilty of that myself. Uh, more than three hours, and this has become part of our life, right? It's a little computer we carry on everywhere, and we do business off of it, too as well. Um, an Oxford study in December 2016 said this: "I'm just so busy has become the new status symbol. I think there's some, some of us who we're just honest with ourselves, there's a little bit of pride when, how are you doing? I'm busy. I'm blowing and going, you know, burning on both ends. I'm so busy. And and psychology today describes this as social comparison theory, basically determining your own social and personal self-worth based on how we stack up against others we perceive as somehow faring better or worse. So when we say I'm busy, that means I'm really important. I'm really important. I'm so busy. I am, I, I am valuable, and I'm in demand, and that's just how I am. And then some of us, it just rolls off of our tongue. I'm just busy. Uh, most of us live in this constant state of mind that says we feel like we're pressed for time, we feel like there's not enough time in the day, or we feel like we're running out of time. And we just live in that state of mind all the time. And as a result, sometimes we just become slaves to our calendar or slaves to interruptions. Whatever happens, that becomes the priority. And, and we, we kind of make the decisions on, okay, I have extra time at the end of the day. I have leftover time or leftover energy. And now what do I do with that? So we could become slaves to, to all of that not even recognizing that. Um, <clears throat> I have uh, some boxes over here. I've done this before, but I felt like it was worth bringing them out again because it really helps us out in understanding let me turn them around here. Um, these are just uh, some examples of how we might prioritize our our life and um, so we might have a, social media is becoming bigger and bigger. So we spend a lot of time looking at our phones and and, and looking and making sure we 're capturing every moment and letting people know what we 're doing, just burnt toast or whatever um, relationships this is this is important i mean this is this is something that uh, could be, you know, whether it's a friendship or, or dating relationship or maybe it's husband and wife, whatever it is, or, or relationship. Work, obviously, work is something that takes up a lot of our time, right? Um, and then we have these other boxes here. We have family, that takes a lot of time in, in our life, you know, at certain times of the year, certainly. And then we have this other box here God. And he kind of fits in here somewhere, and maybe this represents church to you, or maybe it represents reading your Bible or whatever, but these, these your, your life, if you think about how this kind of stacks up, it might look a little bit like this. Families first, and then relationships, and social media, and God, and, and work down here. Or, or maybe this is just lopsided. You might feel better if we do this, because it's so important, and it represents your lifestyle. And if you, if you work good, this means more money, more lifestyle, more freedom, of, of, you know, life, whatever it is. So this comes first, and then families next, and your relationships, and maybe God's down here. Now, what's really interesting about this is if I were to ask you, is God first in your life? Um, my guess is many of you would say yes. Many of you would say yes, but if we were to look at your, your life, your calendar, would it reflect it? There is a passage in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, it's a beautiful, it's part of the Beatitudes, and Jesus is teaching about life. You know, if you just lived, if we just lived our life based on Matthew, based on Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that would be life-changing. But in chapter 6, Jesus talks a lot about worry, he talks a lot about worry. He talks about all these scenarios and, and, and he ends it with, with this conclusion about how to deal with life. And I'm going to start at verse 31. Jesus says, so do not worry about, well, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or, or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, now pagans are people who don't fear God. They're not Christ followers. They're not Christians. For the pagans run after all these things. They run after all these things. The pagans are chasing after their worries. They're constantly, that that is what motivates them. But the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Isn't that a good word? God knows what you need. God knows your needs. God knows your fears. God knows your worries. God knows the things that are on your heart. In verse 33, Jesus just kind of, this is a mic drop verse right here. Verse 33, Jesus says, Let's read it out loud, guys. But seek first. Keep going, keep going. And all these <clears throat> What in the world does that mean? When I first read that, when I was an early Christian, and I, I read, you know, this idea of seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, I thought, well, that sounds really Good. And Jesus is clearly making a point that you don't have to worry about this laundry list. You don't have to be caught up in life or the busyness of life. You don't have to stress. You don't have to live with anxiety. You don't have to live in that state of mind. Here's what you need to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So according to this verse right here, if we were to look at that verse and say, okay, we're going to just apply that verse to our life, That means I'm gonna put God first in my life. He's gonna be on the top and everything else will just kind of fall into place. But this verse is saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? And something I've concluded, and, and this was me, if you don't have a relationship with God, If you're not a quote unquote Christian, if you've never surrendered yourself to the will of God, you don't give a rip about putting God first in your life. He's not a priority. So what I've discovered is the closer you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and the more you get to know God and the more you you see his grace and his mercy and and the more he speaks to you, all of a sudden there's this motivation inside of you to to put God first. First. And without that relationship, there won't be any motivation. So it's kind of like, you know what, if you can go to church and God's not first in your life, right? You can go to church and just get, you know click my punch card that I came to church, but you can walk out and he's really not first in your life. You can do that. This is someone who, who maybe doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, whatever it is, and that was me one day. But what I've discovered is when, when you... When you fall in love with God, when you experience his grace and mercy in your personal life and, and, and you experience the miracles that God does and, and you have this, you meet with him over coffee at Starbucks and you read your Bible with him and, and you pray in the car with him and you develop this relationship with God and, and you hear his voice, all of a sudden there's this new motivation to put God first in my marriage, in my home, in my career, in my, with my kids or whatever it is. But without that relationship, there's no motivation. What I've discovered is most of us we don't have an obedience problem we have a love problem. We don't have a we don't have a a a problem with with following God's will we have a problem with with allowing God to take over our life and that, and that's the crux of the issue. When it comes to volunteering I hear it all the time I'm busy. I'm busy. I remember in the early days when we were starting Thorn Creek Church, um, <clears throat> I was blown away. We had what was called a BHAG meetings. Anybody remember that? Some a few of you might be. BHAG meetings, there's just a handful now. BHAG meetings came from a <clears throat> Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. And, uh, and, and actually, it was even before that. It was uh, Built to Last is what his first his great leadership book. And uh, he talked about big, hairy, audacious goals. Big, hairy, audacious goals, and it was our first meeting as a church. And at the time, we were probably running—I don't know, maybe 150 or something like that—and we were just excited and, and and saying, "Okay, what does God want to do with this church body?" And and we really want to make an impact in 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 the Thornton area, and we want to we want to love on people. And and it was so early on, and I remember, um, <coughs> I I uh, I said, "All right, let's get, let's have a meeting together," and and we invited like something like 20 to 30 people to show up, and that night. It was snowing, and and as I recall, even the Broncos were playing that night. I know this this was the days when the Broncos were playing better than today. But anyway, so it was snowing, and the Broncos were playing. And I remember thinking, "Who's going to show up to this meeting? Who's going to show up to this meeting?" Like if I said, all right, guys, all of you come back today at four o'clock, and we're going to talk about how to impact this city here with the gospel of Christ, and we're going to talk about how to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we're going to develop a strategy to love on people, and a strategy to to reach those people who are going through broken times, and and the, the marriages that are broken, and those who are suffering through addiction, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna love on husbands and fathers and wives, and so come back today at three o'clock today. Would you be here? today? today at 3 o'clock. Like some of you are saying, yeah. So that night we had our BHAG meeting and every person showed up. I just remember sitting in this, what was called the creek. It was a conference room. And I remember looking at all these people crowded into room. And I remember looking at the snow falling outside on the ground while they were sitting down inside. And it was at that moment that I knew we have something special here. God is moving. God is stirring hearts. So it's a choice to put God first. I think it's important for us to recognize how God views time. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1 says this, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Don't boast about it. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You have to have the right perspective. In another place, Psalm chapter 90 uh, verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Isn't that so good? You know, I've, I've shared this before. One of the things that people who have near-death experiences, like people who are, have cancer or people who have just missed death or they have the, a second chance and a second lot in life, one of the things that I've always admired with them is, is every day, they look at every day as a gift from God. Have you noticed that? They have a real awareness that I'm, on, I'm in this world and it's by the grace of God and today is a gift From God, and they don't stress about stuff at all. They just are clearly aware that this is a gift from the Lord, and we have to be careful to number our days. That we, it's a great prayer. God, give me a heart of wisdom that I may cherish each day, that I may use each day. Let me ask the question another way: If someone were to look at your daily schedule, would it be evident that God is first in your life? If we were to look at your Google Calendar or whatever you use, would it be evident? that this is what your life looks like? Would it be evident? Now here's here's what happens many times. Many times it might look a little bit more like this. We have the incredible capacity to judge ourselves based on our intentions. And we say, God knows my heart. We judge other people by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. And we say, you know what? God knows he's first in my life. But if you looked at this, and you looked at this, and you looked at this, you might be scratching your head saying, really? Because I've seen you here at work, and I've heard, I've heard the words that come out of your mouth, and I see the way you treat your spouse, and I, 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 see, the way, I see the way you treat your kids, and I, 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 see, I see that relationship you're in right now. You know it's not God-honoring, and, and you're in it, and, and, and you convince yourself, and God's first in your life. And it's confusing. And what happens is you're judging yourself based on your intentions. And when people look at the fruit of your life, they're saying, I don't don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Hear this. Going down the wrong spiritual road starts with a seemingly inconsequential decision to put something or something before God. And it's so subtle. It's so subtle. Let me show you what it's kind of like. It's kind of like this, and I've seen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on relationships here just for a little bit, because I've seen it happen a lot of times in relationships. <clears throat> Here's what happens. I've seen it, I'm going to pick on guys here for a second. I see this guy come to, know, come to church, and he comes to know Jesus Christ, and he's like so white hot, excited about God and God's will for his life, and then all of a sudden, some hot babe comes into his life. You know where I'm going. <laughs> and all of a sudden, his, guy, his eyes go from Jesus to this hot babe. And all he could think about is this hot babe. And it's so subtle. Let me show you what happens. I've seen this happen so many times as a pastor. Hey, would you mind helping me out here, Adam, real quick? Right, just come on up here real quick. And, okay, get on this side. <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, get on this side. So I want you to, I want you to, where are you at? Oh, there you are. <laughs> I want you to go hold the relationship box. We're going to go real slow. Okay, this is what happens right here. This is what happens. It's real slow. You're coming to church and you come to know God and it's just like, oh, man, this is great. And then this hot babe comes into your life and you're like, ah, she's really fine. She's really hot. Oh, my word. We're going to take our relationship to another level right here. And We're gonna oh oh man but she she seems like a really good girl I know she loves God too I think she does and, and but gosh you should see her in that skirt oh my word she's so fine and and and, and you're just kind of doing this number and it, see how smooth that happened just like that thank you brother thank you that's what happens next thing you know this guy looks this guy looks really stupid he's wearing skinny jeans and he's wearing his hair in a weird ways and he's looking different he's like what happened to you and he's not reading his Bible so much and he's just you know what happened. So, so subtle. And that could happen with anything, whether it's work or relationships or even family. We can put our kids ahead of our relationship with God. We can be so concerned about making sure our kids are happy or we live with a level of guilt and because of decisions we've made with our kids that our kids are first, whatever it is. But it's so subtle. And what happens is whatever you put on the top becomes your God. You start worshiping it. And this starts driving your life. This starts driving your life. And you might convince yourself it's temporary, it's seasonal, it's just essential right now for this time. And here's how you know when you've gone too far when it no longer bothers you to put God second, it doesn't bother you anymore. And you know, when you've really have gone too far, you don't even recognize it. It's not even a thought to you anymore. And then when that happens, let me just tell you, it's a lot easier. I need, to, I need a third pair of hands over here. It's a lot easier. When you exercise that spiritual muscle, it's a lot easier to put other things before God. It just gets easy after that. And it, it, excuses and whatever it is, it's just once you make that spiritual decision, it becomes easy. So every day, there's this conscious choice of saying, I want to put God first in my life, and I need, to read, I need to spend time in God's word, and I want to surrender to God's will. And it's a relationship with God, and you're managing your heart. It's a daily, daily choice. Psalm 127 is where God, <clears throat> where God took me in this message. And I know I've been leading up to uh, talking about a bunch of stuff, but Psalm chapter 127, just the first couple of verses gives this contrast of someone who does life kind of like this, and then someone who does life with God on the top. So look at this, Psalm chapter 127. And I've never shared this before at all at church, but I wanna share it with you now. Verse one says this, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Think about this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries or soldiers will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. Hello. Anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. See, if you're a workaholic, this is, these are two great verses for you to read right here. Now, I want to just take this apart a little bit because you see this contrast. Verse 1 says, unless the, Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. And when I read that, I, I realized something. You can waste your energy when God isn't first in your personal life. You can waste your energy. Let's go to that screen title, thank you. You can waste your energy when God isn't first in your personal life. Isn't that scary? You can spend a bucket of your energy during the week doing something, and you can, you can, it, but if God isn't first in your life and you're doing it kind of like this, I wanna make sure both sides of the worship center see this, whatever it is, you can do it like this and, and you will be tired at the end of the day. You can do life like this you can do life like this. And the scripture says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. So there's this picture right here that, that it looks kind of like this. It's like, okay, that could be you, but unless the Lord builds the house, or this could be you right here where God is first in your life and you still need to work your tail off. It's, I, I believe in a good, strong work ethic and sometimes the hours are necessary. I get all that. But if you surrender to God and God is first in your life, then the work is blessed. Then the favor's on you. It's different. And in fact, God blesses your work and and you become more fruitful. When he's first, you get that? It's like a divine partnership, not even a partnership, but you're surrendering to the will of God. And you're saying, God, I want you first before my work, my relationships, all, all my future. I want you first, God, and I desire to follow you. And you know the future, I don't. You can see everything clearly. I can't, you can control everything. I can't, you see every heart. You, you hear everything behind every closed door. God, I'm gonna surrender to you, God, and you lead me. That's a different type of work life. That's a different type of work life. And you can waste your energy when God isn't first in your personal life. Uh, Someone said like this, long hours do not mean prosperous work. The evening meal may be put off till a late hour. And when the toil-worn man sits down to it, he may eat bread made bitter by labor. But all is in vain without God's blessing. I'd rather have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the blessing of God than filet mignon. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's it's different. It's different. You want the blessing of God over your life, the blessing of God over your life. You ever felt like you're just in a grind? You work week after week and it's the same job. It's the same routine. And you're wondering if you're getting anywhere. When you look at the life of Jesus, most people don't view Jesus as a focused leader. But he was incredibly focused. He was the strongest leader we've ever we've ever seen. He knew his purpose and his mission when he came into this world, to seek and save the lost. He knew that was his purpose. And he knew it was all going to happen in Jerusalem. Over and over, you see in scripture that he pressed on towards Jerusalem, because in Jerusalem was where the cross was at, and that's where he was going to suffer for the sins of the world, and, and he was going to carry the weight of the sins of the world and become a sacrifice for us, our scapegoat. And then There he dies, and then he's risen from the grave, from the tomb, and everything happens in Jerusalem. So you see this incredibly focus. And and many times when you look at Jesus, you recognize like Jesus is just honed in on his mission, his father's mission, and everybody else seems to be oblivious to it. But one thing you see on this great leader is you see this. Look at Mark chapter 1. Look look at Jesus. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went went off to a solitary place, Where he, what church, where he what? How many times do we view prayer as essential? He goes off and he's like, I got to get alone. He goes to a solitary place. In Luke chapter five, you see the same thing. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for what? Prayer. Prayer. In chapter six, same thing. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to Pray. pray and spent the night praying to God. What does your prayer life look like? You know, here, every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m., we gather together to pray. Sometimes we'll have 20-plus people, and other times we'll have three people. But it's the, it is the time where the church comes together. Now, I, I know the way we're wired, we say, well, you know what, I can pray in my car. I get what you're saying. I could pray in the shower. I, I get all that stuff, and that's important. But there is power when the church comes together and prays. And Jesus our leader, <laughs> our example, took time out to pray and cry out to God and say, God, I need you. Father, I need you. Incredible. A man named Lee Cohen, he wrote this. He said, great leaders lead from the inside out. Your leadership skills will only take you as far as your character will allow. That's so good. <laughs> Jesus had a pure heart and unfailing character. The more you work on your heart and your character, the more others will want to follow you. You you feeling me? Nobody likes to follow a scumbag. Nobody likes to follow someone who's full of themselves. Nobody likes to be married to a self-centered person. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes to there's no friend that likes another friend that's just into themselves and they don't ever talk to them about their life. And it's just all the, you know, no, nobody likes that. And and the more you surrender yourself to the will of God and, and, and you live for God, and there's something that happens inside of you that becomes more attractive. Don't you love being around people who are encouraging? Isn't that a joy? Don't you love being around people who are giving? She loves being around people who just know how to forgive and, and can see the positive and not being so negative. And, and she just loves, you let God work on the inside of you. You let God do his thing on the inside of your heart, then God will take care of everything else. I like what he, Paul said in Ephesians. He said, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. But like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand, say understand with me, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. See, it's more important for you to understand the will of God than, than when, you, when you switch this around and you get all messed up and you just kind of put that relationship. I'm just picking on the relationship a little bit. And you start working on this relationship instead and you, and you start focusing on, on his needs or her needs it messes everything up. It messes everything up. See, you were created to worship God. You were created to walk with God. You are created to have a relationship with God. That's your purpose in life, to fulfill the will of God, to fulfill the purpose of God. And and God wants you to focus on, on his will. Not the will of, of him or her or at work or whatever it is. God wants you to focus because your future is in his hands. It's not in your boss's hands. It's not in anyone else's hands. Michael Hyatt said it like this. Self-leadership precedes team leadership and public influence. If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others. Isn't that good? People always ask me, how are you doing, Ruben? And, and, and I have responsibilities in the, in the faith world, <clears throat> across the Colorado district, and even across the denomination, and here at Thorn Creek. And I'll tell you what's the most important growth for me. It's right here. I need to make sure I'm right with God every day. I need to make sure I'm the same guy off the stage as I am on the stage. That's, that's, that's my task. So managing my heart is so important. Solomon said it like this in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So if, you're, if your heart isn't at a good place, you'll go at the wrong places. If, if, you have, if you have anger in your heart, it'll come out. If you have pride in your heart, it'll come out. Wherever your heart is at, that, that's, everything flows from that. I like what this saint once said, heart work is a constant work. The keeping of the heart is a work that is never done till life is ended. There is no time or condition in the life of a Christian which will suffer an intermission of this work. So if you are neglecting, if every day, if you're neglecting, if you're not mindful of where your heart is at, it will naturally go to a place. Bible calls it, you know, the sinful nature lives within us, and we have to work through that. It'll naturally go to dark places. It'll naturally become more self-centered. It'll naturally become more, more, more desolate and, and isolated from Everything else. So you have to manage your heart. Manage your heart. This world is not your forever home. Some of you are getting older and older, and you know exactly, you're starting to get daily reminders that this world is not your forever home. We are citizens of heaven. We're citizens of heaven. So this is the only opportunity you will have to walk by faith. This is it. This is the only opportunity you will have to please God as a human being in this world. We worship the invisible God and we see, His char- we see His character. We see the attributes of a living God. We see the stars in the galaxy and we see how everything's in order. And we're aware that there is a, there's a supreme being and we cry out to Him and we experience, this is your only opportunity right now to live a life pleasing to God as a human being. When you're in heaven, you won't need any face. <laughs> When you're in hell, you won't need any faith either. You'll see everything. No faith required in heaven and hell. No faith at all. This world is not your forever home. And it's so important to keep things in perspective. I remember um, we had a big service. um, We have quite a few big services throughout the year. But it was like, a don't know whether it was Christmas or something like that. We had a uh, Christmas Eve services and we had this guy and the Broncos were, were playing and they were doing pretty well at that time but um, he had games to the Bronco uh, game he, he had like, games tickets to the Bronco game and uh, he was also serving and he gave up his Bronco tickets because he felt like he needed to serve instead and when, when, as a pastor when I see that I'm like oh, you know I'm just like thank you I'm so humbled I'm so humbled. Serving God is, is the most important thing you can do. You should do. And everything should fall in place with this. So if, you, if you're in a relationship and you feel that subtle thing, kind of like what Adam was helping me out with, and you feel like that temptation right there is to, to, to be in this living situation, um, and I'm going to be in this situation for money or for whatever it is, you need to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going I'm going to trust my God has a calculator in heaven and he'll take care of everything. Or maybe at work they ask you to do something at work and you're thinking that goes against who I am as a Christian. You need to be able to say no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. When I was in the software consulting world and I was in Colorado Springs and and we were working on a really big deal and I was working with this company called Polo, Ralph Lauren, you know Polo? And I was working with the CFO of Polo and the CTO. And I remember before I went into the meeting, our CEO pulls me aside and says, Ruben, I want you to tell the CTO of Polo that we have a really big IT department that could handle all of his needs and we didn't. And I want you to tell him that we can do all of these things, but we never had before. We were just going to learn them on the spot to get the, to get the, to get the deal. And he wanted me to lie. I never shared this before. He wanted me to lie. So I told him, <coughs> I'm just going to tell you his name is Steve, so you can pray for Steve. I told Steve, um, I was a little bit shocked that he asked me to just point out lie to get the deal because it was a, it was a big deal with Polo. and. Um, and I went into that meeting and I was thinking, and sure enough, the question came. We were meeting by phone at a Conference call. and sure enough, they asked me, um, Ruben, and they don't know me as pastor at all, I'm going to school, they say, Ruben, um, are you able to, to fulfill all the responsibilities and have you, do you have experience doing all of these things, you know, that we need from A to Z? And then Steve looks at me, that was the question. He knew it was gonna come, and I said, no, we don't. We don't have it, but we'll learn it. So I was just honest. I said, we've not, not done this, but we can learn it. And I remember looking at Steve's eyes. He looked at me, and he just kind of put his head down. <clears throat> there was no way, because I knew he had my future. I'm not going to compromise that. You know, the crazy thing about that whole thing was God blessed every sales call I ever made and that company was deemed most profitable when I was doing sales and marketing for them. And it was, here was my secret sauce right here. That was my secret sauce. That's why I was uh, successful. It wasn't me, look at me. That <laughs> wasn't me, it was him right here. When you put God first and you say I'm not going to put I'm not going to get in this living situation. I'm not going to sleep around. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put myself in this situation. I'm going to put when you put God first God will take care of everything else. He'll take care of everything else. <clears throat> it's so good, guys. Let me just read even the Sabbath day. Scripture tells us observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Something God does over and over is he puts our faith to the test. And he does it in different ways. One of the ways he does it is he'll say, would you give me a day? I want you to honor me a day. And our our natural tendency is, thank God, you just don't understand how busy I am. Same thing when it comes to reading Scripture. I I have just so many emails in my inbox, God. You don't understand. I don't have time to spend with you, God. I'll do it later. And what happens later? Yeah. God constantly tests our math. That's what he does. He just tests our math. When it comes to giving, same thing. God says, I want you to honor me with 10% of your income. And I want you to I want you to trust me with the 90%. And over it, there's that tension, that spiritual tension that we say, God, I don't know if you know how math works down here. If this were to happen, then and you start calculating in your own minds, then this and this and this and this. And God says I just want you to trust me. He did it with manna. He gave manna just for the day and said, Don't get manna for tomorrow, just for today. So over and over, God is testing us and saying, I know you have seven days, but I want you to honor me with one day. I know you have these other things, but I want you to honor me. I know you I know this is what you're fearful of, but I want you to trust me. And God blesses your faith, God blesses your trust, God blesses you when you trust Him look at it again but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well put God first this is this is growth right here this is spiritual growth. when you put God first and you say you know what I want God's blessing more than man's blessing I want God's favor more than man's favor I want I want God's will for my life more than anything else oh well, Maybe you could identify with this and maybe maybe your boxes are just kind of all mixed up, right? <clears throat> Whatever it is, maybe God's not, not really here. Maybe in, in your heart and in your intention, he's here, but may, maybe it's more down here or something like that. I wanna give you an opportunity to make this right. You can turn to God this morning and you can say, God, right now my boxes are all whacked out and I, I wanna just put you, God, on the top. I want you to bless my life. I want want to experience the life that you offer. Such a great word. I want to experience the life that, that you offer, God. It's so much better. It's so much sweeter. And maybe you just need to make that decision today. So I want to lead you in a prayer. And for those of you who are ready to make that decision, I invite you to join in here. God, thank you for your grace and your love. You're so good, God. God, right now we humble ourselves before you. And first of all, if, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and maybe you just don't have a relationship with God at all, would you just say this prayer? Just say, God, I want to start a relationship with you this morning. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I turn away from them right now this morning and I turn to you, Jesus. I I choose to become a Christian today and put your Holy Spirit inside of me and teach me how to walk with you. Others of you, you might consider yourself a good person, even a Christian, but maybe God is not really up on, not really first. He's not on the top. Would you say this prayer? Say, God, I want to put you on the top today in every category of my life. I want to um, live like I'm a citizen of heaven. I want to live... With your blessing, God, I don't want to spend, I don't want to work from morning to night without your favor. So God, I surrender and I submit to you, God. I give you my work and I give you my family and I give you my relationships and my social media life and I, I give you every every box. And God, I just bow before you and I say, I want you, I want your blessing, I want your favor over it all. So I submit to you. Guide me and lead me in what decisions I need to make to make sure this happens. I don't want to do it just with intentions here, Lord. I want to take action. So anything that, any decision I need to make, God, make it clear to me what decision I need to make, what action steps I need to make to make this a reality. Thank you, God. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church give.